When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another edition of the Michael Deacon program. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. Tonight, Jerry Wills makes his return. Jerry is a well-known international speaker, radio and internet TV broadcaster, devoting his life to helping others through his unusual gifts. Jerry is a intuitive healer who investigates the science and history of healing techniques ignored by the modern world for centuries and I do apologize for that late start there were some difficulties but that happens now hold on let me bring in the boys and Jerry I want to welcome you to the program thank you so much for being here and Mike thank you as well for being here oh don't mention it buddy Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation to be on your show, Michael. Appreciate it. No problem, Jerry. And I had some difficulty there with the software that I'm using. I'm not quite sure what happened, but we are ready to go now. And it seems like we were already cut off uh, somehow. I'm not quite sure why, but see, that's what's been going on here tonight. Not every show we start yeah, out. Yeah, every show we Let's start off, I get cut off. His icon sh- shuts off. We know we lost him. Is oh, maybe... Oh, I'm still icon up there. Yeah, so I'm still I. here. I'm still here. We were cut off again. Again. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> happens like here. The norm every time we start a show, Michael. I know for some reason we get cut off or um, something strange happens, but hey, we're back and it seems like we're live. So, gentlemen, again, welcome back. And Jerry, my goodness, as I was saying, I was having all kinds of diff- uh, difficulty here with uh, this software streaming program that I use. There's always some weird. A setting that I didn't press, or it just stops working altogether. Don't feel bad about it, Michael. I <laughs> took a year <clears throat> digging out the worms in this system that we've got here. And, <clears throat> you know, still, once in a while, there are things that crop up, and it's just beyond your control. It's just stuff happens. You know, and I, I of course, developed a bald spot and many gray hairs as a result of the uh, frantic. <laughs> Did you? Everything is great, and as soon as you go live, everything goes to hell. Everything <laughs> falls apart. Yep. Google, it's um, 
They're they're very um, non-active these days. Yeah. So well, you know, getting all your programs to talk to each other can't at be the right good. time in the right way. Oh, maddening. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. But Jerry, I'm glad you're here. We haven't talked in a very long time. I know it has been, and I'm glad you're still around and doing things uh, as you are. Congratulations on that, Michael. Yeah, no problem, no problem. It, and it's, like I said, it's been a while, and I'm glad that you and Kathy both seem to be in good health. And I hope she's doing well as uh, as well as you are this evening. Oh yeah, she's as dangerous as she ever was. She oh. still has her machete. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry, for some reason, every time I bring you on here, there's always those uh, individuals out there who will message me asking me to ask you about Peru and how you met Kathy. These are the, the same questions I got last time. Yeah. Well, maybe we can talk about that if you want to. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, I must say, I hope you enjoyed your Easter as uh, best as you could. Oh, yeah. We uh, got some eggs. We didn't boil them. <laughs> and we ran around in the desert naked, throwing them at each other. Well, that sounds like fun. It was. It was a great deal of fun. It's kind of hard to wash off, you know, once it dries. But, you know, just the idea of getting hit somewhere with an egg with Easter written on it, it brings a whole different colorful ambiance to life. It really does. Jerry, I had no no idea you were some sort of a nudist now. Nudist. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the show naked as we're talking. Amazing. Right on. <laughs> Kathy's listening naked, as a matter of fact. She she usually cooks dinner naked. You know, to, to be honest, though, Jerry, have you have you actually ever gone to one of those colonies before? Like a nude <clears throat> place? I know you're out there in the RV, so I'm curious. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> that's so funny. We, um, we were in Oregon looking for our, this hot springs. And it wasn't that easy to find. It was way out in the middle of nowhere. And the policy was that after 10 o'clock, it was clothing optional. Well, I mean, that's that's fine with me. I don't care. Right. And it was kind of cold. It's cold outside. And I'm thinking, hot springs sound good. I was pretty tired, but Kathy convinced me I should go. Got our bathing suits. Got everything ready, got some towels, went out there, you know, fully dressed because it's damn cold. And uh, got to the hot springs, took off my trousers and shirt. Here I've got my swimming trunks on. Kathy's got on her um, bikini, and it's just cold as hell, so we get in real fast. Well, it was quiet, such solitude. The night sky was just blazing with stars, a bit of a breeze rippling across, but we were a bit sheltered from it. And Kathy says, well, it's after 10. You know, we could take our clothes off if you wanted to. And I said, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's, uh, she says, oh, come on. And she takes off her clothes, her bathing suit. Don't be a, don't be a, don't be a Debbie Downer. So I said, <laughs> right. well, there's no one around. So, okay, sure. Negative Ned. So <clears throat> we're sitting there in the hot springs. And, oh, hell, that was really nice. It felt great. And so floating around, not really floating around, but, you know, it wasn't that big a thing to float in. But it's big enough for maybe five people. Uh, Very crude, made of cemented together stones out in the middle of field in the middle of nowhere. So just really relaxing. All of a sudden, here comes these people. And and they're up there, and they just strip off and come right into the hot tub with us. Swingers. (laughs) I don't know. So... 
this one gal in a very large fishnet, not large fishnet, but I mean the holes were very large in the fishnet thing. <laughs> she didn't want to get in totally naked, which was bizarre. She's quite drunk. And this one other fellow uh, that was a little short for his weight uh, came bounding in, and then some other people came walking by, and they're stripping off, getting in the other, you know, hot springs tub. Before you know it, you know, we've got like four people on ours, a few people down there in those. Oh, my. And, and <clears throat> we said, it was getting crazy. They're talking and drinking and smoking pot and just having a grand old time. And, of course, as long as I'm sitting there in the water and it's dark, there's nothing really to be worried about. But after a couple of hours, it's like, you know, you probably should get out just to let your body cool off. And, of course, I've been driving all day. I was kind of tired. So it's like, you know, Kathy's like, come on, we need to go. And I said, oh, hell no. <laughs> well, they might be here to who knows when. Well, okay. So we announced we're going. And um, the gal that was right next to me kept putting her leg over mine. Oh. And <laughs> kind of scooting over towards me. And then the, the really heavy set guy was scooting over towards her and trying to make it all cozy, I guess. It's like, okay, time to go. Swingers, I told you. <laughs> got 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 out got out of the uh, hot tubs, just bare ass naked. And of course that cold wind blowing at, at twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it was totally dark, so you had to use a flashlight to see how to dress. So yeah, that, I did that one time. Sounds like a good time. Oh uh, it, it well, you know, the if it had been different people, it might have been even better. Who knows? All right. <laughs> swingers. Swingers. That sounds like an idea. Well, maybe I should try that. Uh, you well, you never know, Jerry. I. You're right. I don't. It might be good for you. Well, you know, I like orange juice and <clears throat> pizza. Not that it has anything to do with swinging, of course. But, you know, there are things that are good for you that you wouldn't know are good for you until you try them. That's right. Orange juice is one of those things. I agree. And, and Jerry, from my understanding, you were actually kind of sick uh, months ago. And you felt like you probably had contracted COVID-19. Yeah. You know, and I don't get sick. That's the hell of it. <clears throat> I, I just don't. And it's been decades. But whatever this was, uh, it was like having a cigarette burn in the back of your throat. It was that awful painful. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, my background working with people who are sick and trying to help them, I've got quite a, a vast knowledge of things to do. So I started using those things and recovered, you know, as I guess as safely as I could. I wouldn't say it was quick because uh, from start to finish is probably two months. Uh, the worst of it being about two weeks, um, you know, just hard to breathe, couldn't smoke a cigarette at all, um, and just feeling like hell. But, you know, didn't recover, obviously, and feeling just, feeling just fine. And oh, yeah, there was fever, mm -hmm. body aches. I mean, it was just, it was hell. You I had mean, all the classic symptoms then? Yeah, you know, and it was a dry cough to begin with. Yeah. Just like they say that you have a dry cough. It was all the same symptoms they say that you have with this uh, this virus. And was it? I don't know. I mean, no one had ever heard of this at the time. But I've talked to several people who say that they think they might have had the same thing as well. And how would we know? I mean, if you get an antibody test, but who wants to spend that kind of money to find out? Who the hell cares? I don't. Right, right. And at what time was this exactly? What month, Jerry? This was uh, end of December. Ah, okay. 
through uh, the first week in January. So it's about a two-week period there. It, it took till uh, middle of February to get rid of the cough, and it took until the middle of March to really not have a cough at all. So mm. it just makes you tired as hell. Yeah. I'm just absolutely fatigued. Well, some, some can say it was just the flu, but yours was pretty bad, perhaps. Well, I... I, I, you know, it was a flu of some sort, but given all the symptomology that they have suggested goes along with this, it was really right in step with what they say that you have happen, except, of course, for the pneumonia. But I'm kind of thinking the people who do the worst with this are the people who've had flu shots and inoculations, you know, that sort of thing. <clears throat> also, um, you know, folks that have other uh, circumstances health-wise that, um, you know, are an issue for them, like COPD or asthma or diabetes or, you know, there's a whole host of things. You know, anything that knocks your body down, uh, I think it just is another step in the wrong direction for getting something like this. Um, I don't know. I, I We're actually very healthy. We don't eat healthy all the time, but who oh, does? Yeah, who does, though, right? Yeah, you know, it's not like we're the shining examples of how to live. That's far from the truth. You know, of course, I don't drink. I can't because my metabolism. You can't drink, Jerry. No. Oh, no. I, not even a I little? Can't. When I'm on live, you might see it. Um, if, you're fa if your listeners want to watch sometime, it's it's on Facebook. Just look for Jerry Wills. You'll see me singing to a skull. Yeah, Jerry, I, I got to butt in here really quickly and say, you know, I have been watching you live for a while now. And the very last time I saw you, you were, you were like drinking out of this little glass. And at first I thought it was like a bong at first. And I was, I was thinking, Hey, that looks familiar. Yeah. Well, that'd be kind of fun. I, I have that, that in my room. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a one ounce miniature, uh, beer mug sort of thing. It's a, it's a one shot deal, you know, just holds one shot. So it's right. one ounce. And Kathy gives me that much wine. I can tolerate one of those. If I take another one, then I start getting a little wacky. Hmm. Nice. But if I drink a whole beer, then I'm just plowed, just plowed. And I don't feel good the next day either. I just feel like hell. And Jerry, I see on your webpage, you, you have like a list of different um, uh, supplements to take. And you have something like CBD oil and such. And I was just curious, are, are you still smoking pot out there? I don't smoke it. Kathy does. I smoke it all the time. You know, it's really good for you. <laughs> I think it is. And the reason why I'm asking is because you have that sort of cough going on right there that I do after I, you know, I have a few uh, sessions there myself. Well, it's from cigarettes. And besides, the Arizona desert is very dry. <clears throat> and cannabis actually clears your lungs. I'm like, Jerry, I know that cough. I was just doing that right now. Yeah. yeah I, have, like, I have a, a cough kill switch over here. but uh, No, that's okay. I, we We like realism here. Okay, well, we appreciate. Let's that. get real about this, folks. If you're not smoking pot, you need to reconsider it. Yeah, it's the Whether, end of the world. Might as well. Yeah, well, that's true too. But it, it, um, your body is runs on cannabinoids. Right. Naturally, they are in us. Yeah, they're naturally made inside of you. And whether you're smoking it or eating it, eating it as an extract, you really need to be in some in there because it uh, it protects your body. I agree with you, one hundred percent. And Jerry, I must say. My goodness, I, I I can't believe this. Who would have known a Pokemon and a bat would be partially responsible for the collapse of America and the rest of the world? 
Yeah, I know. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. This is news to me. What, what's with the Pokemon? Uh, well, that's a reference to um, the Pangolin, that little devil that looks just like oh. a Pokemon. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All there right. you go. I knew the bat. <laughs> I just didn't know Pokemon where that came in from. I had yeah. to throw it in there. I've never heard anyone use that as a reference before, but you're right. It's, it's <laughs> well, and I agree. But I think, moreover, and some people do, and everyone's got an opinion, so, you know, why not me too? But I think that the, um, I think this virus was bioengineered specifically uh, as a weapon and how it got out. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios you can dream up. Right. Anyone, no one's not going to really know how it got out, but. The fact that it was a bioengineered weapon meant to kill people, then, um, you know, that much, I believe, uh, absolutely. Has your, has your um, opinion of the uh, Chinese communist government uh, lessened in any uh, recent weeks? It couldn't get any worse than it has been. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Amen. <laughs> you know, the, this, is, this is a regime that doesn't care about human life at all. So how can you have any respect or or concern for a regime that does that? The Chinese people, on the other hand, are great people. And I met lots of them, been yep. friends with many of them, and I think they're fantastic. But the government part of it, the part that does the iron fist that breaks their necks if they get out of line, yep. no, I don't care for that. I mean, it's just stupid. Well, how can such a thing even exist in the 21st century? Yeah, I was telling Michael the same thing uh, before we went on air. As I've grown an, uh, a new hatred for that country. And I used to love uh, China in general. Uh, now I can't stand the government. I got no problem with the people. Just can't stand the government after what we've learned, uh, Michael and I, doing the interviews that we've done in the last week. We've learned so much, and or at least I've learned so much. And I'll tell you, it's, it is absolutely appalling what has happened as a result of the Chinese government. I agree. The airborne HIV strain is very real, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And I agree with you, um, Jerry. These are very dark times, but quite historical times nonetheless. I mean, they will be writing about this era for um, years to come, way after we're gone, Jerry. I think so. <clears throat> it'll be it'll be such that um, lessons will be learned, and you know I don't know how you'd characterize it except to say that the folks who are not interested in the betterment of life will be exposed, and when they're exposed, you know the world will shun them. I agree, and you know Jerry, I got to be honest, I've been quite critical of those who have denied the severity of COVID nineteen, especially those who are pastors out there, and. I've been talking to a lot of religious folks and they've been very angry with me as well because I don't agree with their views in these large congregations that um, some of these people have ignored their own uh, city laws now. And the thing is, you are putting yourself in danger, but not only yourself, but everyone else around you and those you come in contact with if you go and congregate with a large group of people that you don't know if they are positive or not. Not everyone will show symptoms. So I know that is kind of um bad for those that really want to get into uh, their church. But remember, you are <laughs> endangering everyone around you. Well, you know, it, it, you have to ask yourself if these are the same kind of people who wouldn't mind going to a movie theater or a shopping mall or a baseball game or any sporting event. Uh, you know, if they're willing to go to church to work on their prayers and, and praise their God, 
what you know what would stop them from as i said going to any of the the the, the previous things i just mentioned i mean yeah well it's exactly. just stupidity i i see this going on and i just think to myself you know it, it probably sounds pretty awful, but it's it's a calling of the ignorant or the stupid because when you know that something, it's like sticking your hand in a fire. I mean, take a look at the the, the snake, um, the people in the hills of Appalachia that um, that do the the snake thing, you know, the Baptist church there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, handling of the snakes because it's dictated in the Bible, blah blah blah. Well, they get bit and they die. Okay, well, there's one less goofball in the world, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And again, I just can't comprehend why on earth they would be so adamant to not only endanger themselves and their own lives, but the lives of everyone else around them. And trust me, I, I don't hate uh, certain groups of individuals out there. I'm a humanist at heart. And even if my, even if I'm an atheist, I still respect everyone's views and want them to be happy and enjoy their lives, even though I say some pretty negative things here. But that's because it's hilarious. But I, I really don't want anyone to go out there and get themselves hurt and hurt others as well, especially now with this very dangerous virus out there that a lot of people seem to be downplaying uh, for whatever reason. But I still blame uh, perhaps their ignorance. On that, uh, Jerry, lots of people echoing things that are inaccurate, and it is just kind of sad. But that's thanks to social media, I have to say, Jerry. And regular media. And regular media, too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think you, you find folks in two different camps. One is going to be that they are in denial because they're so afraid, and this helps them to avoid being afraid. Ah, yes. The clutching of the pearls. Yeah, the, the security blanket. Yeah. And the other group believes that God will protect them because they're doing a godly thing. That's right. Oh, my. But I don't see that that's happening. I don't either. Neither do I. I don't see God. I don't see aliens intervene, uh, intervening with, with this situation here like many people would like to no. put out there. You know, for years, Jerry, you heard the same thing, too, I'm sure, that aliens would come down and save humanity, that the Messiah in the sky would come down and basically yeah. the same thing. But where is that at? Well, yeah, the, the aliens told me that they weren't going to come down and save anybody. It's up to us. <laughs> See, there you go. Save ourselves. We and are I, on our own. I tell, I tell people that, and they're like, oh, I don't believe that for a minute. Well, okay, believe what you want. I'm not trying to change your belief structure. I'm just telling you what I was told. Right. See, um, Mike, what you don't know yet is that Jerry has had a number of strange encounters his entire life. Uh, Jerry definitely... Uh, Explain a little bit further about your background. Well, basically, I've, I've, when I was living in Kentucky for about five years, I had ongoing contacts with a, a group, uh, a, I guess a group. It wasn't really like a large group, but there were these folks who landed in a UFO. I became friends with them. They actually sought me out. And for five years, that went on. They're very interesting and uh, pleasant individuals. And then uh, fast forward to about, um, and this was in, you know, late, you know, mid to late 60s when I was just, you know, my teens. And then fast forward to um, the early 90s, I became friends with a fellow named Rich, and he said he was a Pleiadian. 
which my response was, uh-huh, sure. But then he actually proved that what he was telling me, I mean, I don't, he didn't prove he's a Pleiadian, but when you see someone land in a flying saucer and get out of it and say, hey, Jerry, how you doing? Um, you know that they're doing something vastly different than, you know, 100% of the other people on the planet are doing. So consequently, I, if he says he's Pleiadian, that's good by me. <laughs> you know, I don't know where he's from, but he said he was. And we had an ongoing relationship uh, as friends for about four years. So, you know, in all the course of time that I had these conversations, uh, which didn't really amount to, uh, it was close to a decade, all time totaled, nine years really. Uh, I learned uh, quite a lot from these individuals and I had questions and um, I had a chance to have that inner reaction and ask those questions and get answers. You know, I mean, it's for your listeners and those who are wondering, you know, there's no way I can prove this. And I'm not really interested to. It's just something that happened. And the conversations that I had with them, uh, they were quite illuminating at times, such as what I just said, that, you know, they're not going to come down here and swoop in and um, try to correct the wrongs that uh, are going on at this end. They are helping behind the scenes. So that's Jerry. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can is it possible for you to share with us and the audience uh, what type of things that you spoke to these beings uh, about, and what kind of answers did they give you about things? Golly, there was so many conversations. I'll have to think. Something important, something that you would find significant. Well, okay. Here's something that just popped up on uh, Facebook. I don't know. It's been in the past couple months. I did an interview with Alfred Lamont Weber, and in there, he was asking me some of the same questions, and this was quite a few years ago, and I had forgotten all about the interview, and I'd forgotten, and I've probably forgotten a lot of what the conversations were, but in this interview, he wanted to know, kind of like you just asked, and I said, back in, um, gosh, when was this? It was like 2008 or so. He was saying, did they give you any uh, any messages about the future? And I said, well, uh, one that kind of stuck out in my mind at that time, apparently. I said, one that I recall is that there's going to be this virus, and it's going to go all around the world, and it's going to cause a lot of damage, and it's going to change everything in the world as a result of it, or something to that effect. And uh, someone sent me the video clip, having watched it themselves, and I listened to that, and it's like, well, I'll be go to hell. You know, I forgot all about that. But yeah, they did say that. They did tell me about that. They told me about a lot of things. Um, the, they told me about the, um, you know, the big tidal wave that hit Japan. They told me that because um, we were talking about places to go that are safe on Earth. And if I was going to go there, that I should be making plans uh, as soon as possible and get to wherever it was I wanted to go. And they gave me some suggestions. Uh, Costa Rica was one, Panama was one, Ecuador was another, and then there were several other places throughout South America. And um, I said, well, what happens if I don't go? Right. And they said, well, I said, will I not be allowed to leave the United States? And I was told, no, that's not really what the problem is. The problem is other countries won't allow you in. And now look at the situation we have. I mean, if you want to go to Argentina or Nicaragua or Honduras or Chile or Peru, I mean, start naming off countries, they won't let you in. No, they won't. 
It's not easy. You know, you're, no, you can't go in. Uh, even Mexico is not very friendly towards people trying to get in. They're trying to kick people out. Very Canada, true. same story. Very true. And it's a good thing you didn't go to Ecuador. They are getting nailed with COVID-19 out there. Yeah, I know. Well, the whole world is. Yeah, it just seems like they are just really getting trashed right now. Of course, New York is also up there. But my goodness, Jerry. And the people are still denying the existence of this virus. It, it's um, pretty unusual to read that um, from many people out there. <clears throat> well, I know. But like I said, they fall into two camps. There are the people that believe it's conspiracy. Um to keep people in place and to kind of um, screw with their mind, if you will. And then the others that are afraid that it is so real that it could hurt them. And so they're in denial and they don't want to acknowledge that it's real. And, you know, that's just how it goes. I mean, that's typical human behavior. All I have to say uh, is that Darwin was right. Yeah. About what? Tell me. Survival of the fittest. Oh, yeah, you're right. And there's there's also the scientific fact that, and I've mentioned this multiple times, that uh, it, it wasn't a matter of if we get a, uh, a pandemic. And I'm not saying that this is the one, but it's a matter of when we get a, a virus uh, or, or some sort of a health-threatening um, bug of some sort, whatever it may be, virus, bacteria, whatever, that eventually it, it, it will come to a point where we have um, – uh, a re- revisit of, you know, sort of like the black plague, if you will. Um, mm. And I only know this based on something I recently watched uh, with scientists discussing the uh, possibility of a pandemic in America. Um, and even though we are going through what we're going through right now, this is not it. I, I can almost guarantee this is not it because the one that they're talking about is going to be a real difficult thing to to break and it will take many many lives because they will not have a cure for it Mm. well you know and in line with that uh, i don't know if the next thing coming is that but i have somewhere deep in my mind and i can feel it you know like the pit of my stomach that there's something else that's just ahead there's something else that's going to happen and we're going to feel like it's getting better and then, you know, it's going, something else is going to happen. And I don't know what it is. I wish I did. I don't know how to prepare for it. But I just have a feeling that there's something else just ahead. And it's not good. Well, you know what, Jerry, I, I agree with what you're saying, uh, you know, that, yeah, there there is something coming. But you know what? There's always something coming. Um, Unfortunately, and that's, yeah. that's how we, we get by in the world. We we learn how to get from problem A to problem B. That's pretty much what life is. Uh, life is just a series of problems that we have to get around because Mother Nature just wants to kill you. And and you just have to know how to survive. And as Michael said before, it's survival of the fittest. But eventually there will come a day when we will be wiped off the map, at least most of us, because it's either a rock coming from outer space or a little tiny microbe that we cannot see one way or another. It's going to bring us down. From outer space to inner space, it's always something. It's always something, my friend. Yep, and with the coronavirus, they're saying that this thing could attack the immune system like HIV. But then again, that's kind of how it was created in the first place. Mm-hmm. The ACE2 yeah, receptors yeah. are being attacked as we speak. And of course, this will plateau and everything will be fine and dandy. Then the second wave comes. Yeah, whatever the second wave is. And Mike's right. I mean, the world is full of... 
stuff that's out to get you. That wants to kill you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you know, you just do the best you can. Then what else are you going to do? Meanwhile, right. don't stop living. Yeah. No. You know, what the hell? I mean, if you're not going to go out and have a good time, then what are you doing? Yeah, that's what I say. I mean, you know, I mean, with everybody being shut in currently, um, and I can only speak for America because that's all I really know about. I don't know about all the other countries, but everybody's being shut in. Yeah, it's really testing a lot of people's patience and, and their ability to quote unquote survive. But at the same time, this is nothing compared to what it could be. Could you imagine, just imagine, let's just say for argument's sake, uh, one or two scenarios, there's a, a major nuclear war or there is a, a meteor strike that, uh, you know, clouds the sky. We, we, you know, plant life dies, animal life dies, uh, and we're down to, you know, using bows and our arrows or guns or whatever it is to survive. That's when it gets, that is when it gets really rough. That's when it, yeah, you know? that's when it gets I interesting. I see. That's when it becomes, yes, icy. But until then, we're, we're okay. You know, I, I'm sorry for the people that have died as a result of this virus. It's very unfortunate, and a lot of people have died. But, you know, just like every year, there's a flu. It goes up to twenty to 30,000 people every year. Um, so we got a lot. We got a lot to be grateful for. And at the same time, this is just a test. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I agree. And Jerry, I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on Mr. Edward Snowden. He uh, was interviewed recently and said some pretty profound things about COVID-19. And if you haven't heard it, I do have a, a small clip here I could play a, a few minutes of for you and everyone sure. else. I, I think it'd be. I've not heard it. It's pretty interesting. And he's right about a few things. Our civil liberties are being eroded as this interview continues here. And, you know, I just wanted to quickly know your thoughts on Edward Snowden. What's your perception of Edward Snowden? Do you think he's the good guy or do you think he's a villain like the media wants to portray? Oh, I don't know. I think he, um, <laughs> I don't think he's a villain. I don't either. Um, I don't really know enough about him except what I've heard in the media, which isn't a good source. <laughs> right. So, you know, my initial feelings our basic ambivalence until I get more data to actually come up with uh, an opinion that's truly my own. I hear you. But everything that I've seen and heard gives me the feeling that uh, if he said something, I'd probably listen to it pretty closely. Understood. And Mike, any perception on Edward Snowden at all? Let's hear the clip, Michael, and I'll give you my view. I hear you. All right, let's roll the clip. There we go. Why does it seem like we're... So we're acting like COVID-19 is a never-seen-before virus and that this is just out of nowhere, surprise, surprise. You know, we had SARS, we had MERS. We've had these types of things before. And in fact, we knew that we were going to be having more of them. Yet we were not set up, or it seems like we were completely taken aback that this is happening now and is having you know such a profound effect when if you talk to any epidemiologist or virologist they knew that this was going to happen there is nothing more foreseeable as a public health crisis for uh, you know again a world where we're just living on top of each other in, in, in crowded and polluted cities uh, than a pandemic 
Uh, and yeah, every academic, every researcher who's looked at this uh, knew this was coming. And in fact, even intelligence agencies, I can tell you firsthand because I used to read the reports, uh, had been planning for pandemics. And yet when we needed it, the system has now failed us and it has failed us comprehensively. And the thing that I find grotesque about this situation is that now the people who are being asked to sacrifice the most are the people who are in the most precarious positions, who have the least to give. We're constantly being told uh, we're the richest country in the world. But when people start losing their jobs, when uh, rents uh, become difficult to pay because there, there's no work uh, for any waitress uh, in any restaurant in, in New York right now, where are our resources? When our hospitals say they need ventilators, you know, where is all this great technology that's being used to surveil everybody uh, you know, down to the tiniest toenail? when we needed to create things that actually save lives. In South Korea, which has been successful in at least flattening their curve, the government's been sending text messages to people who have come into contact with people that they know have COVID-19, which means they know who has COVID-19, they know who they're meeting, they know their text message numbers. They know how to get in touch with them. The Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uses data provided by local telecommunications companies. Taiwan is doing a mobile fence, so-called, where if they know you're infected, they're going to put a mobile fence around you. And if you leave, you're going to get in trouble if you leave your... It's basically the, the your mobile phone is your new ankle bracelet. You know, we look at what China did, including welding uh, certain doors uh, shut, and we seem to be sort of knee-jerk ad hoc, and we're, you know, culturally we can't do this, yet our our numbers are, are through the roof. So are autocratic regimes better at dealing with things like this than democratic? I don't think so. I mean, there are arguments being made that China can do things uh, that the United States can't. Now... That doesn't mean uh, that what these autocratic countries are doing is actually more effective. Um, there are really only two things that we know to be true. One is that no one knows uh, the true number of infected because we can only, in the absolute best case, uh, know the confirmed cases of people that we've actually tested. Uh, and once you start to layer in this uh, autocratic, or I would argue more authoritarian, uh, type of policy structure, um, what you end up seeing is that instead of policy being guided by science and facts, uh, you begin to see things like information releases uh, becoming political decisions. Um, now, this is not new. Uh, in fact, the, the Spanish flu around 1918 um, <laughs> did not actually originate in Spain. Uh, it was actually spreading uh, in World War I through the trenches uh, where everybody was in terrible conditions. But the militaries of the day had imposed restrictions on what the press could report uh, that could impact the war effort. And so Spain, being a neutral country, uh, was publishing uh, what, what they were actually seeing in their country. And so we just presumed, uh, because they were the only ones that were telling the truth, uh, that it came from them. Now, we're a little further ahead than that today, um, but that doesn't uh, erase the fact that people in power who see that there is a political advantage to disguising or concealing or massaging or denying uh, numbers may choose uh, to lie about it. It's happened before, and it's almost certainly happening now. If you're looking at countries like China, which seems to have flattened 
How much can we trust that those numbers are actually true? Uh, I don't think we can. Particularly, we see the Chinese government recently uh, working to expel Western journalists uh, at precisely uh, this moment where we need credible independent reporting from this kind of region. Uh, and then there's all of these rumors and initial reports that say things like, you know, the number of urns, shipments for burials uh, have gone way up, way beyond what you would expect from the official numbers. And the fact that we cannot get independent verification of the facts gives us reason to doubt the official story. And the reality that we need to accept, um, which is an uncomfortable reality, uh, is that even in places uh, that are not autocratic regimes, they're going to have a second wave, they're going to have a third wave, they're going to have a fourth wave based on all of the uh, best medical analysis that we have available today. I think uh, I was reading um, a paper this morning uh, that was from, I think, the, the Chan School of Public Health uh, at, I think it was Harvard University, that said uh, pumping the brakes is going to have to be the new strategy. Which means we're at the beginning of, as you say, you know, second, third, fourth waves of this coming. And so... All of these measures are going to get more severe. And what then happens to civil liberties, to privacy rights, to democracy? I mean, what are the knock-on effects that you can see? The, I mean, this is really the, the, the central question of this moment in history. Um, what we see is everyone is fearful um, and hopeless and so worried about today um, that we have really stopped thinking about what tomorrow will look like uh, as a result of the decisions that we take today. Uh, we've seen in countries like Taiwan and South Korea, uh, and spreading also into more Western countries, um, and of course in the United States where it has begun as well, the tracking and monitoring of the movements of the whole of the human population through the movements of our phones. And it is, I think, uh, something that should raise cause for concern because when we talk about the applications, and I'm sure we will, they're, they're saying they're using it for contact tracing. This person gets sick. Uh, where did they go? Who may they have come in contact with precisely so they can produce these kind of text messages that you describe? On its face, it seems like it might be a good idea. Uh, there is, of course, a, a natural presumed benefit here. And yet, uh, this level of contact tracing, this, this method of contact tracing, uh, does not really work on a pandemic scale. You know, we're declaring, you know, various states of emergencies here and there, but these have sweeping powers. What is being built is the architecture of oppression. And there we go. I played a little too much of that, but that was... Um I was mostly, I was mostly uh, it there. Uh, it there. Wow, that was pretty interesting. I agree. It was oh, really? something, else. something else. And now I'm hearing myself echo. Now I'm hearing myself echo. Yeah, I hear that too. Hear that echo. too. Echo. And there you are echoing too. And now it's gone. But yes, um, pretty interesting stuff there, wouldn't you say, Jerry? Yeah. Well, you know, he's got some pretty interesting statements going on there, and it was very thought provoking. So, especially the last statement. Uh, mentioning that um, we are starting to put people under surveillance. That's going to happen. Well, well that's, that's happening here. Part. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, I was just finding, because we are, you know, in the capacity for moving around, um, usually quite freely. But we found out yesterday mm -hmm. that if you go into Utah, 
Uh, if you cross the border and go as far from southern Utah's border up north, the first main town you run into is Kanab, um, you're going to be receiving a text message giving you instructions about uh, quarantine and what are your intentions and fill out this online form. Now, how do they get your number? Well, it's geofencing. As soon as you come in, they tag that you've come into that area. And if they see that you've gone past a certain point, then you have to stop and fill out a declaration of where you're coming from, where you're going to, what you're going to be doing while you're there, the whole bit. And uh, that's a lot different than a roadblock, of course. But I suppose if you don't fill it out, then they'll send the sheriff or state police after you to find out for themselves. Uh, Of course, you probably already heard that if you're in Louisiana and you want to go to Texas, forget it. Because they have troopers at the uh, Texas border that are checking IDs. Anybody coming from Louisiana is turned around. Um, That's happening in several states. So this is a pretty weird situation as far as civil liberties and um, the freedom that you're used to. And I've been telling folks for a while now that nothing really is going to be the same. You know, once this is over... Things are going to be radically different. It's not the same world any longer. It's just, it's the same kind of weird shift in uh, reality as it was for 9-11. Right. How it seemed like you go outside, everything looks the same. Uh, it's the same kind of day as it was yesterday, yet it isn't the same overall. It just looks familiar, but it's not the same. And that part kind of creeps me out because I don't like the idea of needing to answer it to someone about where I'm going and what my intentions are and so forth. I understand that with something highly contagious, it only makes sense. So it's not that I'm against or opposed to it. It's just the idea of it itself. It's a little much. Yeah, it is. It's a little creepy, right, Mike? Yeah. Well, thanks to those POS uh, <laughs> terrorists who flew their planes into everything on, right. on uh, 9-11. That really started us off with a whole new world or a whole new America. And uh, now, you know, we're just every every couple of years, it just seems like something else new comes into play that takes us down a notch. What I mean by that is, you know, I'm only 53, but when I was a boy, uh, I lived in a time, you know, I grew up throughout the Vietnam War. But I was a child. I didn't recognize it as much as what was going on. But as you know, as the late seventies, eighties, and nineties came, it was a, those were great years. I had twenty some great years, and then the new millennium came, and bang! It just like everything, like the shit hit the fan, man. So yeah, these are some troubling times. It's uh, but you know what? At the same time, we have to get through it. What choice do we have? And we have no choice. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what choice do you have is right. Because <laughs> you either you either uh, just, you know, start marching in step with everyone else or else. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating the idea of uh, constant surveillance or anything like that because that's not the kind of government that I think um, most people want except – uh, maybe some of the, the, the hard left who wants uh, more government. I personally, I don't want more government. I want less government. Um, but it's just so, so complicated. It really is a touchy subject. It really is touchy. But you got to remember, Mike, before 9-11 happened, our government 
was informed about this by other intelligence right. agencies around the world. And, well, it happened. And look at COVID-19. They knew as well that this would happen. And my goodness, Mike, another coincidence. Look what happened. Yeah. Well, you know what most people are not talking about that I think is is quite interesting. I tend to look in the corners where people don't look, lift up the rug and look under to see what's there, metaphorically speaking. Right. <clears throat> I'll base this on telling you a short thing. A good friend of ours was a very well-known individual. His name was Ingo Swan. Oh, yes. And, you know, he's, he's a good buddy. Well, now, you know, if they had it then, that that program never died. It, they maintain uh, something somewhere where they're referring to psychics and people who have extraordinary abilities that can um, talk about these things, see these things, know these things. <clears throat> and if any of them are as good as Ingo, well, my God, you know, they must have the cream of the crop. So none of these things that happen, I don't think, are just out of the blue. I think they see these things that are potentials in the future or realistic things that are taking place and will affect us eventually. And they already start figuring out strategies to deal with it. So, you know, none of this stuff that's going on now is remarkably uh, out of the unknown. It is for a lot of people, but I think there are people in some places that know what this is, you know, what's going on and what's going to happen. And a good point of reference with that is when I met that fellow that said he was a Pleiadian, you know, his name was Rich. He told me about things that were going to happen in the near and distant future. Well, everything he told me, as that I remember anyway, has come to pass, everything. Now, how would they know, and I ask him this, is how would you know about something, you know, that many years in the future? And he told me that moving through time was no more difficult for them than moving through space. He said space and time, um, they're interconnected. And the time doesn't really exist, it's perception. Well, he went into a little bit more detail than that, but that's kind of what I got out of it. So, you know, I mean, for, for folks who can tag into some future event or for, I guess, the Pleiadians or whoever can move through time and then come back, they know what's going to happen. And I'm sure the people in high places also know and knew about this and also knew what uh, the outcome was and what's coming next. And that leaves the rest of us who fall somewhere between uh pretty well endowed with the capability of being psychic to those who have zero acumen for it. Just sort of looking around, scratching our heads and wondering, well, the next shoe is going to drop. What is it? Right. And I think that's where we are. You know, we're just, I feel there's something ahead. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's someone somewhere who does. And um, how do you, how do you manage life? with that sort of thing. And of course, the other point with that is, you know, if they did know that something was going to take place, they couldn't tell anybody. My God, the people, generally speaking, if, if they knew that something was uh, terrible, that was coming their direction, they would just lose it. They'd just go nuts. There would just be a complete breakdown of society. So I guess with good reason, it isn't really talked about or disclosed, but still, it'd be nice to have some inkling. At least that's what I think. 
I think it's the elite or or the the well informed or extremely intelligent that end up figuring it out, <clears throat> and then those who are less educated in in and have less knowledge in uh, reading between the lines, for lack of a better term. Those are the people that are going to most likely suffer. Not necessarily, but maybe most likely. Yeah, I I think you're right about that. Now, like all things, you have to you have to be educated and knowledgeable about what it is you're trying to understand. Uh, that includes everything from government to uh well to anything really you know some people read books on mathematics and become mathematical wizards but if you don't understand uh the basics on say cooking you're not going to you know you're not going to know that that knowledge on how to survive in the wilderness by i don't know trapping a, a rabbit and and skinning it and and eating it you know oh Kathy knows how she has oh, a machete Good. Okay. Kathy's putting all kinds of stuff out there. Yeah. Oh, geez. She tells me stories growing <laughs> up on the farm, things that I shouldn't even repeat. I know, right? Those stories are pretty remarkable. Like pig's foot, pig's feet soup. Oh, good oh, heavens. Lord. I don't think I could eat <laughs> that. She, she, brains and scrambled eggs. What oh, God. That's a little too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I told you. It's cracking. And, and fried pig skin. Mm. Oh, Oh you got your God. own. Uh, you got your own wet market there, uh, Jerry. Yeah, well, I wet something. I can wet my pants. <laughs> my goodness! But you know, let me check. hold on a second. There it is. But uh, no, she grew up on a farm. She had to know how to kill and dress animals and right. um, grow a garden and be completely self sufficient. And she's right. that's just part of her her background, her upbringing. Yeah. So, you know, if things go wacky, then I suppose, um, I guess I'm safe. Do you know how to cook rattlesnake, Kathy? Yeah. You do? That's the easiest. Skin them and, and yeah. everything. Very, very good. Actually, very meaty. Yeah. I, I no, think no I've, fat. I think I've ate snake before years ago. Yeah. That might be kind of fun. Let's, let's put together a recipe for rattlesnake chili. That sounds good. Yeah, rattlesnake chili. It sounds good. Uh, I've never had it, but, you know, just the idea of it. Tell your friends, come on over. We're having rattlesnake chili tonight with cracklings. Yeah. That sounds right. good with a little bit of bacon on the side. Oh, yeah. A whole lot of bacon. Hell, that's dessert. I'll uh, bring some armadillo nice. stew. You'll bring, okay. a, you'll yeah. bring a pangolin. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just grab a possum. Bring it on with you. Okay. Yeah, I can't even believe people would eat possum, and some people do. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? My, my, um, when I was growing up, my grandmother lived in a place called 88 Kentucky, which is in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. And they, you know, she would, uh, she, she, she ate that. Said possum, groundhog, squirrel, rabbit, pheasant. I don't know about crow, but you know, nobody wants to eat crow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not That's much right. meat on that. Yeah. Squirrel. I know we were in the, um, living in, a, in South America. They had a dele- delicacy there called cooey. And that is uh, guinea pig. They grow guinea pigs. They raise, not grow, but they raise guinea pigs specifically because cooey is like a national uh, super-duper favorite meal. It's an honor to eat it. It's like we have turkey at Thanksgiving. They have cooey. They don't have Thanksgiving, of course, but 
you know, if it's a big celebration, they have kui. Well, hell, they uh, they also eat llama. But I was at um in in the middle of uh, the Andes Mountains, and uh, they made a meal in my honor. And I could have bear or or kui. Mm. Now kui looks like a rat. Imagine a, a a singed rat, dead singed rat on a stick. Mm-hmm. It's it's just ghastly. <laughs> and, That's a good way to describe it. So when Kathy thought it tastes like squirrel, she ate some of it, but uh-huh. tastes like rabbit. Okay, sorry. And I opted for the bear because I've had cooey and I did not want that again. So I had the bear. And it was like, you ever get some of that really, that, that double bubble chewing gum? You just keep chewing it. It gets thicker and it just, it, it just, well, that's what the bear was like. Wow. It was like, kind of like eating dog. Yikes. Oh, eating dog. How would you, would you know what She's was eating like the dog. eating dog? I don't know. I'm not even going to look in her direction. <laughs> <laughs> God, I don't even want to know. Oh, my. I, I don't blame you. I don't want to know. Kathy, don't, don't tell me how you know about eating dog. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Is Kathy um? Is Kathy from China? Yeah, I know they eat them in China. Oh, I'll tell you what. In Peru, you walk around the streets of Lima, you do not see cats. Oh no, poor strange, poor kitty. Well, the Chinese restaurants they capture them, butcher them, and serve them, and that's part of the Chinese meals. There is cat. Oh. It's sick. It really is. Oh my god! How can you eat a poor little cat? I know, it's just, it, <laughs> so I heard a meal Kathy. back there. I know, she's, she's <laughs> trying to, yeah, anyway, let's not go into that. But I was in, I was in the city in, um, uh, in North Central Peru and I wanted to, I wanted a hamburger really bad. I just really wanted a burger. Oh no. So I told them, you know, um, I want a burger. So they served me a burger. They, it took a while, but they served me a burger. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but it was ground up horse heart. Oh, oh. my goodness. Yeah, I know. And when I found out, it was like, damn. But the worst of it was breakfast. Same town, different it, restaurant. It gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till this, get worse. <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you're in the middle of this, this amazing North, uh, Andean Peruvian city. What was the name of that place anyway? Uh, uh, Marca, yeah. And it's, it's like a pretty nice place. And downtown. And the, um, the order was I wanted scrambled eggs, toast, and bacon. Well, that sounds like a reasonable request. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I waited and waited. They brought out the toast first. It was cold. It was hard like a sardine's camera, a a cracker. It was just absolutely like, you know, like a crouton would be, except as a whole whole piece of bread, like a crouton. Did you say sardine cracker? Yeah, well, no, it was a um, saltine cracker. Oh, okay, uh, because I just went right over my head. What the yeah, hell so, is a sardine cracker, I'm asking? Yeah, I, I probably had too much to drink or too much to think. Or <laughs> so anyway, too they bring out bread and they bring out the butter. The butter ha- is sitting in a pool of ice. You cannot put it on the bread. So I'm not eating that. I'm drinking the Sanka instant coffee. Next, they bring out a platter that you'd put a turkey on full of scrambled eggs. And I'm thinking to myself, who, who, what is this? And I said, okay, well, I just give me a plate and I'll just take some. They brought me a plate. 
I guess they thought I was going to eat off that. And about 15 minutes later, they bring an even larger platter. This is my bacon, except this is pig's ears that are deep fried. Pig's ears. Wow. Oh, uh, pig's ears with the hair Ooh. salon. A huge, I mean, the mound of it was like maybe a foot tall, just mounded up on this huge platter. And I'm looking at the thing, what the hell's wrong with you people? <laughs> All I wanted was you know, a couple of scrambled eggs and a few pieces of bacon and some toast. So I got up and left. Mm, I didn't understand. You know, the interesting thing about all this talk about eating animals is this. You know, we can sit here, Michael, and and, and talk about Jeff's experiences with uh, in other countries, um, you know, like uh, eating guinea pig or, or whatever. And when we can sound repulsed to it, you know, eating a, a horse's heart, uh, it could be repulsive sounding to us. But yet still, you know, we have we cook cows and turkeys and chicken and, and whatever else that we, you know, pork and all other these other animals. And it, it's it's pretty much the same thing. You it know, is. we you know, we, 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 we give a hard time to the Japanese who are still whaling. Go figure. But and, and, you know, killing these animals, even dolphins, and they kill these intelligent creatures. And yet we are repulsed by that. And I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a vegetarian. I wish I was, but I, I can't. Uh, and I love animals very, very much. So when I see how uh, these other cultures survive by eating other animals, yeah, it's a little, it's a little effed up. But what can you do? It's hey, you know, Aborigines are eating big old grub worms out of the ground. I mean, it's yep. all what you're used to. That's right. That's right. And so I'm not well, used to llama or guinea pig. Right. No, we're used to the standard American dishes like uh, hot dogs, hamburgers, yeah, uh, and stuff like that. So, sure. and and you know what? It's it's really sort of kept from us. Here's the thing: uh, Americans have lost that ability. To know what it's like to have to raise and kill your own livestock. Oh, sure. And, and I guarantee it. If if people knew what it was like to have to raise goats, chickens, sheep, cows, pigs, and, and, and slaughter them yourself, I guarantee you there'd be a far less waste in this country. And there'd probably be a lot more vegetarians, too. You're probably right. Uh, you know, because it, yeah. if you go back 60, 60 years, even even 50 years, like when I was a boy, my parents had ducks and chickens and, uh, you know, other, uh, my other relatives had uh, goats and farms. So they were raising their own livestock and slaughtering those animals themselves to to provide for their families. In today's generation doesn't understand what it when they go into McDonald's or, or Wendy's or Burger King and they get a hamburger. You know, they if they take a couple bites and then they toss it out. They sure. don't even realize these animals were 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 killed. They were slaughtered. They were slaughtered in these fa- these death factories in which they have horrible conditions. They don't live their lives. These poor animals, and and you know, the younger generation doesn't even know what it's like to have to uh, you know to understand what what they're being given and to be thankful. You know, how many times have you gone to a wedding and 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 so many people that are at their seats, they don't eat their 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 plate, whether it's filet mignon, lobster, chicken, fish, whatever it may be. And then the whole plate gets thrown out. Yeah, well, there's no appreciation for it. Oh, that's my point. That's my point, Jeff. Jerry, you mean. Uh, Jerry, Jerry, I'm sorry. Did I call you Jeff? I'm sorry. Sorry. Did that's, I say that before, okay. too? Well, we yeah, had, but we had a, I'm not I'm not holding it against you. We had a oh, guest. Yeah, we had a guest named Jeffrey. That's why. 
That's what oh. it is. I, I'm very sorry. Sorry, Jerry. No, that's okay, Tom. <laughs> it's also because uh, Mike uh, hates this uh, one gentleman, another musician by the name of Jerry. So, oh. yeah, it's it's a habit of his, right, Mike? <laughs> you know, I don't mind at all, Hank. You know, I, <laughs> Hank is fine. Uh, it, I, it doesn't bother me. I've been called worse, and Kathy usually is the one who does it. That Kathy, yeah, she, she's, she's a killer. She's a killer. She might poison you, Jerry. Be careful. I, oh, I don't I think she'll do Kathy. that. She doesn't know how to run the computer like I do. <laughs> she can't oh. drive the Phaeton, so I'm safe. All that dog meat she was eating. All that dog meat, yeah. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> Stop right. dancing around, Kathy. You're not going to poison me. I, if I was going to, I would have done it by now. I know. Ooh. After 22 years, I'm still breathing. That's a good sign. She's like Carol Baskin. What's that? Uh, that's the um, lady from The Tiger King. Oh, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've not... I've not seen that. I don't. Oh, I don't you know the rest. Oh yeah, you We've have to see it now. It. Yeah, we all have. If I would have poisoned him by now, <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah, you, you definitely have to watch that if if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Tiger King, good good stuff there. But yes, the woman Is by the name of Carol. It's a it's on Netflix. It's a documentary yeah, it's a series. Short, a short series documentary about a uh, uh, one of these exotic animal trainers that was from Oklahoma, and now he's serving time in jail for attempted murder. Oh, well, what a thing. Yeah, it, it was an interesting story. It was Michael, actually, who turned me on to it. He's like, you got to see this movie. You got to see this this uh, documentary. And uh, normally I wouldn't watch something like that, but I did uh, based on Michael's uh, a- approval rating. And uh, it turned out to be. Changed his life. Gri- gripping. Changed my life. Changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, my mind's polluted. I'll go check it out. Okay. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So, Jerry, you've been holding up as well as Kathy through this pandemic, through the end times, correct? Yeah, so far, holding each other up, you know, as long as we can. It gets a little tiresome, but I don't mind picking her up once in a while. Yeah, I mean, there's some people out there who have committed suicide, even on the younger side. There's been some young kids even offing themselves because of this new world that we now find ourselves in. And, of course, Forbes released an article recently that said Americans are excessively eating, drinking, smoking pot, playing video games, and watching porn while quarantined. And I have to say, what else would you expect? I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Well, Kat, uh, we should start watching porn. Everyone else is. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? The server's probably going to be bogged down. Well, I, I, we have a fast connection, Wait though. until the quarantine's over. Oh, well, I don't know if I can. Do yeah? Okay. Yeah. Is it? Where would you suggest watching porn at? Do you have any it's ideas, guys? <laughs> where? Like it? Like maybe in your RV? <laughs> <laughs> no, not like inside or outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you what do you wear when you're watching porn no i'm sorry don't answer that <laughs> I, was, I was about to answer bulletproof vest yeah i suppose chain mail perhaps i wear a face mask you know i keep it kinky Oh. You, you just don't want to be discovered that, that's true <laughs> well the good thing is i don't have a webcam on here Oh, well, see, there's your problem. I don't have the CIA watching me. Yeah. Like they the CIA me. wants to see you doing dirty things to porn. They already do. <laughs> do they? I'm sure they do. I'm sure there's someone who works for the CIA. Yeah, they, logs. they know where you've been. Yeah, I'm sure they're watching at all times what you're doing online, and I'm sure they get off on it as well. 
We must be very interesting. Well, that's because we're interesting. You know, the, the, think of the mundane lives they must be leading and, and how we have brightened their day just by our presence, you know, our, our routine. It brings an interesting aspect into the lives of others one way or the other. You just need to start paying. Well, I suppose <laughs> good, good point there. <laughs> I want money for if they're going to watch me, I want money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, put a donation uh, link on, on there and just, there you go. a PayPal link at the bottom. Exactly. That'll work. Uh, So, Jerry, we are coming to a close very soon here. I don't want to take up too much of your time this evening. But, Jerry, where can people uh, listen to you primarily? Well, there are two ways. Um, The first is through our membership site. It's on Patreon. So it's uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, then forward slash and the word is expeditions, like we're going on two expeditions next year. But instead of EX, it's just X, X, P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N-S, expeditions. Otherwise, uh, that's a membership site. So it's a monthly charge. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of groovy stuff on there. So you might want to check it out, folks. Um, the other is to go on Facebook uh, and look for... You know, facebook.com forward slash expeditions TV, still X P E D I T I O N S, not E X, expeditions TV, all, you know, string of letters. And you'll find me on there. If otherwise you look for Jerry Wills on Facebook and you'll see a picture of me holding a skull that's in the Paracas uh, dunes, uh, above the, uh, South Atlantic, no, South Pacific, uh, by PSAC. No? Jerry, can you tell us real quick some of the topics that you talk about on your your uh, on your show? Well, on my show, I interview scientists, researchers, and people who have had uh, very strange encounters. I had the Navajo Rangers on, for example. I had the folks at Board Camp Mine on, and I've had uh, Dr. Robert Melamed, he's a PhD geneticist, talking about cannabis. I've also had a couple of doctors talking about hormonal replacement therapy and another talking about uh, women's health issues. And it's just kind of a, you know, it's just a lot of different things that, you know, Edward Marriage, uh, Edmund Marriage, uh, probably never heard of him, but he is a fellow from the UK and he's made some extraordinary discoveries about our ancient, ancient past. He's going to be on uh, coming up soon. Jonathan Reed, he's going to be coming up soon. Uh, Clifford Mahuti, he'll be coming up soon. Um, and Daryl Sims, he'll be coming up. He's the alien hunter. He'll be coming up soon. And then um, I also do a part on there called Healer's Health Tips, where I start uh, the program by telling people the things they can do so they can be more robust and to help themselves to stay healthy, or if they're not well, how to get well. And it's not doctor advice. It's just because that's my day job. I'm a healer. Uh, I, I see all these things. I know how to navigate around and give people ideas about things to do. Um, on the Facebook page, that's kind of like fun and games. Um, <clears throat> you know, just no specific topic. Just start responding to people's comments and just take the conversation from there. And uh, usually it's only supposed to last about 30 to 45 minutes. But with this uh, pandemic thing going on, it's been going two and three hours at a time. Oh, my. Because people just want to talk and want to have that kind of connection. And yeah. uh, 
So it's been a, a really interesting time in that respect. So, you know, and it's all video. It isn't audio. It's it's all done with video. Well, you've not, seen it, Michael. Not, yeah. like, not like this cheap station, right? <laughs> hey, this is high quality. And there's there's really a place in the world for audio-only broadcasts. I, I think it's great. Absolutely. Michael does a great job. I love this show, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. Well, you both do great. You know, I'm impressed. I mean, you <laughs> you guys are a hell of a team. Oh, and thank you. Thank you. Liz, thank you know, you. from my end, being the guest, I'm really privileged to be here with you guys in this format. You are just amazing at how well you integrate and do things together. I'm, I'm just very wow. happy to be a part of this. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, thank you so much for putting us over, Jerry. And, of course, you do a fantastic job out there. And it's always fun to hear Kathy jump in there during your live streams. And I have always, <laughs> I've always been amused. And um fascinated by both of you. I, I love both of you very much. I've always been uh, very fond of you two living out there, doing your thing, going to Peru, going to all sorts of uh, strange lands, foreign lands, and uh, having these uh, uh, these just incredible adventures that you've uh, had. Both of you have had, uh, Jerry. Well, thank you. You know, it's not been a usual life. That's for damn sure. And, you know, when we started this broadcast, you want to know how Kathy and I met. We should do uh, that another time. We, we definitely have to <laughs> jump into that. But thank you. Michael, so, yes. I, before before uh, you hang up on, on Jerry, I got to tell you, you heard what he said at the end. He said he's very impressed. He likes how things are going with us and we're doing a good job. I want to raise, pal. I want to raise <laughs> and I want my union benefits. Wait a minute. Not the union stuff. All right. Oh, let's, no. not, let's not go there. Oh, you're from New Jersey. That's why you said oh, that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's all right. It's understandable, but you know, forget it. Forget about it, hey. Forget oh, about. Hey. We got Tony Danza here. <laughs> yeah, Tony Danza is my co-host. That's super. Still, Jerry, thank you so much for those compliments. That means a lot to me. Right. And I, I'm assuming Michael as well. Of course. Absolutely. You know, you guys deserve high praise. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yes, Thank sir. You. And take care out there, both you and Kathy, and we'll talk to you guys soon. It was a privilege to be here. I really appreciate it, guys. You take care as well. Clockwise. Thanks. Mahalo, my friend. Thank Mahalo. You. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Jerry Wills. Great guy. Great guest. Great broadcaster as well. We like Jerry out here. And Mike, I'm, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, he's got a lot to, uh, to talk about. I'm sure I, I have to admit, I haven't, I haven't heard the radio show, obviously, but, uh, you know, that's a lot of these guests. I'm still, I'm just getting to know for the first time. Uh, you've known them far longer than I have. So, you know, their backgrounds more so than I do. So every time we do an interview, I kind of learn a, a little bit about each guest and, uh, try to take my notes and, and, and keep up with who they are and what they do. Oh, that's the best part though, Mike. Indeed. Learning about these individuals. And by the way, I'm sure lots of people didn't understand the Jerry reference I threw at you there. Oh, I, yeah, I knew what it was talking about. Oh, but you yeah. knew. Yeah. You knew right it, it, away. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who know me, um, we'll just use the initials J-O. You afraid of Jerry now? No, not at all. I was going to say, look, who's afraid of Jerry only? <laughs> I mean, what have I got to be scared about? I mean, you know, I, I don't talk to the guy and everything, you know, look, what happened 20 some years ago, 22 years ago, uh, it happened. It's over. I'm over it. I couldn't care less. 
Uh, I have absolutely no desire, uh, no interest in the misfits anymore. And, uh, I've moved on, you know, I got nothing against Jerry anymore. I really don't. I, I really have nothing against him. Um, whether he has against me, that is, uh, yet to be determined. I don't know. I have a lot of things against him still. Do you? Oh, uh, sure. Such as he ruined the band. <sighs> How do you Yoko yeah. Ono your own band? Hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I I'm right. <laughs> you know, I'm not telling lies here. <laughs> you know, it's true, Mike. I, yeah. Well, you know, he's a very, what's the word? He's a very obsessed person when it comes to running things, uh, whether it's his own things or things that aren't his. And he's very controlling. So that's pretty much all I can say. Um, yeah, they, they always are. I, I, eh, whatever. I, I got nothing to, I got nothing to comment. Water about. under the bridge. I know I'm just teasing Water you. Water under the bridge. Yep. I just like to mess with you every now and then. That's right. You can mess all you want, buddy. It's, it's amazing. And my goodness, we did have one more audio clip to play of Alex Jones, but we should save that for tomorrow when we have yep. the professor in the house, Mr. Jim Fetzer. There you go. I was waiting I for you to say it. that. I knew it. You knew it, didn't you? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> my goodness. I'm just going to turn off my mic and he can do you're all the talking. You're just going to let him roll? <laughs> you just going to get out of the way of the freight train, huh? Yeah. Sometimes that's probably the best thing you could do. I got to tell you, man, uh, what Jerry said tonight was very flattering. And I'll oh, tell it was. You, it was, yes. I, I, I got to say, I, I've been getting some seriously positive comments from people who are listening to the show and really think that, um, we've been doing a good job together and, and, you know, you know how much I respect the show, Michael, and I, and I, I certainly, and I've, I've even talked to you off the air. I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want to cut in too much. I mean, this is your show. I, I just, I'm, I'm, this is the first time for me. So I'm, I'm, it's like a learning experience, but at the same time, um, you know, I get excited when we do these interviews and I want, there's a lot of questions I want to ask. And that's Okay. Yeah, it, it's just good to be on, and it's good to know that we're doing something that's really affecting those who, li- you know, our listeners are, who are making good comments, and that that's a really good feeling. So I'm happy you said that. Oh, I'm with you on that. And matter of fact, I was gonna say thank you to all those people that have been emailing me and putting this over. They've reached out to me uh, just this week again, and I've said this uh, plenty of times before we uh, before we pull this show down. Larry Silverstein style. There's been lots of folks out there who had uh, sent in emails and, and they've been very flattering. I'm telling you, it gets um, a little dusty in here with some of these emails, some heavy duty emails that come in that I've never expected. Um, that compliments. Would, yeah. The com- show? Well, compliments and the fact that some individuals are, I don't want to out them too much, but there's some people that have been going through like divorces or a breakup or just all sorts of things. And, they tell me that they listen to the show and it gets them by and X, Y, and Z. And thank you so much. And it's just, I'm not used it's to a that great feeling. Well, I'm not used to it, even though I've been doing this for so long and I've, I've get these emails, um, pretty regularly, Mike. And I, I still don't, I still don't know how to respond, uh, many, many times, Mike. Well, you know, I mean, you're making people, you're giving, you're, you're giving a service, uh, providing a service for people. Uh, of entertainment and, and and those people who listen and are enthused by the show and by your 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 service as a as a host um i mean what can you say you say thank you 
And, uh, you know, are you, are you, are you a person that doesn't accept flattery well? Oh, I accept it. It's just, it's hard, uh, to really respond in a way that would probably, uh, help them in any kind of way because of what they write to me. It, it's pretty heavy duty. There, there was one guy who was thanking me because I changed his life, as he said, and now he's following a different path. He's into politics and that's basically what he's doing in, in his life right now. He knows who he's, who he is. He's in Canada. And, you know, I, I get emails like that, Mike, and it's like, shit, how do I respond to this? Well, changed your life. I, I mean, fuck. I, I know. I, and, and not to brag, uh, but in a comparison to comments that you're getting like that, I've gotten, you know, emails and letters. Of course, before, of course, Mike. Before email was even big. Yeah. Uh, from people who were fans of Empire Hideous. Well, my, Mike, my, I'm, I'm one of those people. Remember way back in 2006 when I first contacted you. That's right. I was and, one of them. And, but the thing is, what I'm, I'm getting at yeah, is some ahead. of the people that have written to me have, have told me, you know, I've been a hideous fan for X amount of years. Uh, I went through some really hard times and your music um, actually helped get me through those times. And, you know, it's it's a flattering moment. Oh, big time. And, and it really makes you feel good um, knowing that you, you were able to bring some light, uh, so to speak, to, to someone's life and, and make them just happy. Yeah, that's really what it is. And I'm telling you, there are some in there that the room got dusty, Mike, I have to admit. That's good. Yeah, That's good. I, I, you know, it happens. It does. It really does, especially when you don't expect it. That's usually when it does happen. Uh, yeah. You don't you don't always expect uh, to somebody to really give you a compliment like that, especially a really uh, a compliment where they're telling you they've changed, you, you've changed their life. Yeah, it's pretty heavy duty stuff there, Mike. I, know, I don't yeah. take it lightly. But I, I appreciate those people. You know, I, I admire them and I want them to continue listening and stay on the right path. Yeah. I had a, I had a vision a couple of days ago about you and I with this show. Uh, just, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I think I was watching, uh, something on television and I just thought, gee, I, I always wondered if, if we got to the level of doing like a, like a like a talk show not that this isn't a talk show but a talk show level where like it's visual and and we're we're you know in a big studio interviewing big people and big time people i don't know it's just kind of a weird thing so you had like a sort of like an ed mcmahon moment there <laughs> yeah I, I was uh i was in the dark thinking of you <laughs> You weren't at a nudist colony, were you, Mike? I was, in fact, right in my house. I was nude. <laughs> oh, boy. But can you believe that Forbes article? I mean, they're acting like they're so surprised that Americans are eating, drinking, and smoking pot uh, during the quarantine. Like, what do you, what do you expect uh, Americans to be doing at this time? I mean, and not for nothing. It, that's not the only thing people are doing. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of potheads out there who sure. are sitting around their computer watching, uh, you know, you porn all day long. But uh, and what? I'm not one of them. <laughs> really, you're not one of them, Mike. I swear, I've <laughs> never touched myself in my life. You, 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 um, no pun intended, but you came out pretty fast there. <laughs> that Pornhub, or <laughs> that Pornhub. I never reference. did it. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> you closed your eyes. It didn't count. I crossed my fingers. <laughs> my goodness, Mike. So tomorrow we are back and live yet again. 
same time with the professor, Jim Fetzer. Uh, Mike, are you ready for that? Sure. <laughs> You're like, I, I think I'm good for that. I don't know. I, I think so. Yeah. We'll find out. And now I'm sure you can hear the helicopters flying over my house now. Holy crap. Can yeah. You hear that? Wow. That's loud. Yeah. And they get even lower sometimes. Well, that's military, I'm assuming. Well, the naval facility is really close uh, by, so they fly really low and they wake everyone up. That's pretty wild, man. I like it, though. It's kind of cool. I, yeah, I, I think I would probably enjoy it myself, too. But, you know, when I, when I used to live before I lived where I live now in Pennsylvania, I used to live in a town called Kearney, New Jersey, <clears throat> which was uh, about, uh, oh, golly, about 20 minutes from the Nork um airport, Newark International Airport, uh, probably five minutes away. But with all the traffic, it takes you 20 minutes to get there. And I'll tell you, when those jets would come down, uh, once they would, they every once in a while, they change the fl- flight path. And so the, the planes would come down for a landing. And I swear to you, Michael, they sounded like they were going to land right on the roof. That's how low they would come. You could see people waving out the windows as, as it flew by. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And there's been some accidents out here, too. People oh really? Crashing shit, yeah. From the na- uh, the naval base? Uh, not not that one. There was a, another another place near Imperial. It's a little bit further away from where I am. It's like the next town over. And when an I airport. say that, I mean it's like like five five six minutes away. And it's an airport. Yeah, there's an airport there, but there's all sorts of people that uh, fly into there. And there was a crash I I recall several years ago, mm. and the guy was probably drunk. Oh, boy. I wouldn't be surprised. It was a plane crash or a helicopter? I believe it was a plane. Wow. Yeah. If you go online and look it up, you'll probably find it. Mm. Yeah, but that guy was drunk. So, Mike, my goodness, we will return tomorrow. And I do want to thank you yet again, Mike, for uh, hanging out here and doing the show with me. It's been fun. Eh, you, you don't have to thank me, buddy. I feel like I'm a, I'm a part of the show now. Well, you definitely are, Mike. And with that said... I want everyone to stay safe, no matter where you are on this island Earth. And with that said, Mike, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Say good night, everyone. There you go. You got it, Mike. Take care, Mike. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye.